We're talking who's hot and who's not, the top 15 zero RB candidates, and second year wide receiver breakouts on this edition of Rotoviz Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by SquadQL. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined today by my co-host, my partner in crime here on the podcast, it is Rotoviz co-owner Mr. Sean Siegel. Hey Sean, how are you doing today? Very good. We've got the Rotoviz Ultimate Rankings from Dave Cabin that includes projections, tiers, historical distribution scores, and ADP. Uh, we've got High Stakes Wizard Money Fawn covering the hot players in the FFWC as we move into main event weekend. Uh, we have Blair Andrews with a new wrong read hot off the presses, and he's got the league-winning running backs for you for uh, 2018, the rookies, the key rookies there. And for me personally, I had a chance to participate in a couple of main events this last week, and so it really feels like the fantasy season is on now. Yeah, it's uh, it's really, really busy this last uh, kind of two weeks, but the last week has really, really uh, ramped things up as well. Myself and Dave Cabin uh, kicked off Rotoviz Live this last week through the uh, Rotoviz Patreon page over there on Shindig. It was a, a fun event. Obviously, it was starting off, so there wasn't a huge audience watching in. We did have to iron out some kinks, so for the people who did tune in, we do really appreciate you uh, and the help that they give us uh, setting things up, but it was quite a quite a fun experience we've done a mock draft and a lot of interaction a lot of questions coming in so uh, as the season progresses as it gets closer one week now until the actual first nfl sunday of the season so come and join us this sunday obviously you can sign up through the patreon page and you get four shows for the price of five dollars uh, per month so it's uh, something i think is a lot of fun i think it's a way of supporting uh, the podcast here as we continue to develop the channel to grow it and to, to provide high quality industry leading program and so uh, it's, it's certainly a fun time here at rotoviz as we take that into the nfl season yeah and speaking of exclusives as a loyal podcast listener you get 30 percent off of rotoviz nfl pass right now it's available through the nfl podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast the season's almost here so make sure you're getting your access there gain unlimited access to our nfl content and tools and support the podcast <laughs> So let's get into the first topic. We're into the second quarter of the show and we're looking here at four second year wide receiver breakout candidates you must own. And then there's a big red flag to avoid. So it's it's an interesting one that's up here on the site. And uh, I'm always interested in red flags and to get what people's expectations are. But this article was written by one of the lesser known uh, writers on the site, uh, a guy by the name of Sean Siegel. What was your opinion, Sean, of the, the article itself? Well, this is a fun one to write because this <laughs> is the group that you really want to target. Um, I've been touting this for a number of years. Blair has got some excellent work on the website showing that this is the year where you have the most breakouts. It's also the year, it's the only year actually, where veteran NFL players actually see their numbers jump. And so we have this kind of gap in there that drafters often don't realize, even with this idea that, okay, well, there are all these trendy breakout candidates and people always want to be on the breakouts. And you get a lot of um, criticism or backlash for that. People saying, oh, you know, you're reaching on all these players. You can't really build a roster if you're going to approach it that way. And there's some truth to both sides, right? And that's where the red flag candidate comes in. But this is a group that you want to have some exposure to. Just to give some examples, I define the breakout player as someone who hits 200 fantasy points in a PPR league. And that roughly corresponds to the wide receiver two borderline. Uh, when we look at when this happens, right, we have 18 players 
who have done it in year one. And, and this is going 2001 to 2017, right? So we have 18 players in year one, 32 players in year two, and 21 in year three. So one of the things you see there is number one, that this is the year where it happens for more players than, than any other. And that number two, you know, you might actually be getting a little bit of imbalance there between year three and year one in terms of how drafters are attacking it, maybe a little bit overly enthusiastic about year three, maybe selling rookies a little bit too much. Although, you know, we also talk about rookie derangement syndrome from time to time. So Colin, before we get into the numbers on this, before we talk about our specific guys, you mentioned to me that you've been drafting more third year breakouts. Is this because the second year uh, ADPs are too aggressive or you're not particularly high on this class? Uh, as a class as a whole it's not that i'm not high enough but you kind of mentioned it on the adps like somebody like Corey davis i think uh, at the moment for what we've seen from him in year one is at a very high uh you know in terms of his adp cooper cup i think is a real target this year to go for but again his adp is you know reflecting i i, I like to go and see where i can find those values maybe dd westbrook somewhere you can find that taiwan taylor earlier this offseason was but at the moment obviously that price has increased and you have guys like uh, kenny galladay as well so it is an interesting class as a whole but it's it's until i really dived into the article and was reading down through it i was just kind of clicking with me that i've targeted a lot more third year guys this year i've been kind of targeting veterans that maybe uh people are starting to give up on and uh, trying to find values elsewhere and i just think that uh, this year this class as a whole for the players that what i expect them to do like for example i touched on keelan cole earlier this offseason thought that he was unlikely to have a, a big year this year but obviously now that has changed in the last week with marquis lee uh, going down to the injury dd westbrook falls into that camp so the two of those kind of paired together similarly uh, i think in terms of you know on the same team what we expect we've seen what zay jones has done uh, which hasn't been a huge amount in terms of his efficiency last year and then this year as well in the offseason he's got himself into some different legal issues uh, you know he has to compete now with kelvin benjamin and as well Corey coleman but we'll see how the roster shakes out who makes that uh, final 53 but when you look around the options just like trent taylor's another one uh you know i was talking about how high i was on goodwin all off season so it's just hard for where the players set in certain teams based on the players then that i was targeting on those rosters uh, it just didn't seem sean to, to fit into the way i was looking like if you look at somebody like uh, juju smith schuster somebody who i had quite a bit of last year in redraft i own him and like in dynasty leagues i have quite a few of these guys from last year's uh, drafts but in terms of where he's been drafted versus what his ceiling or floors possibly will be i think he's been drafted probably in the median range in terms of what i expect his production to be so i just think the the values maybe on these second year guys are either uh in the high range for the guys who are expecting to do quite well or then in the the other end they're they're pretty much uh no value to having them even at the end of drafts or undrafted yeah well let me see if i can change your mind just a little bit here so what we're looking for as we try and project these second year players they're going to be similar indicators as we talked about for the third year players and the things that we're seeing as statistically significant will be year one performance which is pretty straightforward college production still significant breakout age whether the player declared early for the nfl draft and we've talked about that some and and you know shown on the site just how big of a difference that actually makes and then adjusted draft position obviously players drafted earlier uh, expect to do more and that falls pretty precipitously throughout the draft this is a little bit of an, an issue because kind of like you mentioned or we've talked about this class has a lot of intriguing players but most of them did come into the nfl after playing for four years uh, looking at this we have seven sort of intriguing candidates who 
generated 1,500 or more receiving yards as seniors, which even if you're in these spread offenses, even uh, if you're playing against lesser competition because you have a slightly easier schedule, maybe at a smaller school, 1,500 yards, that is a huge performance. And then in addition to that, we have guys like Galladay and Cole who had monster market shares. Galladay above 40%, uh, Cole above 50%. So a lot of people who had this elite college production and as a result, you know, are generating some enthusiasm, but have a little bit of a red flag. So let's move into what the model can tell us for some of these guys. We can look at the model's projection, which is opportunity agnostic, uh, what Dave Cabin has in the projection machine, and then talk a little bit about what ADP implies for these players. Now, one of the guys you didn't go into in a lot of detail there is the guy that we've been promoting heavily on the site. And, and that would be Chris Godwin. He's projected for 134 by the model, 141 by the projection machine, but his ADP only implies 86 points. So you're looking at, a, at a approximately a 50 point gap here based on what uh, some of the models are showing and what ADP suggests. And it's interesting because I mentioned that I had done a couple of these drafts uh, in the last week and Mike Williams, for example, going sixth round, going seventh round, which, I mean, that's a big, big difference from what you're seeing in, say, you know, MFL 10 ADP, something like that, even though that actually seems like a better format for Mike Williams. Uh, by contrast, Godwin does not seem to be getting a lot of that uh, enthusiasm. He's not a trendy player in some of these high-stakes leagues, and so he looks more like a target. Where do you have him? I, I think he's been somebody, obviously, that we've been talking about a lot on the site over the last couple of weeks. I think, um, obviously, I've seen his ADP rise up. It's interesting that you said in the kind of in the FFPC leagues and the other uh, kind of as we call the you know as the season progresses here that he hasn't jumped up in terms of those leagues. But he's somebody who I think, as you mentioned, with the the scores coming in on both models, the model having a 134 projection and 141 on the other system. I think that he's certainly a value, but I think his ADP is the reason then that I haven't been involved. It was in the early off season, it was a case of, you know, him and uh, Deshaun Jackson and where that kind of was going to develop, who was going to lead the way. And it just was a situation that I wasn't that comfortable with. And uh, I haven't always, uh, well, I've never been really a huge fan of James Winston. So that also filtered into that situation. But another player that uh, is quite interesting in the model is Cooper Cup, who uh, projects to have 150. Then his ADP is going at 133 at the moment. Uh, you've said you've seen him as high, I can see in the notes here, as 4.01. Do you think that's a spot that's uh, appropriate or too high? It's starting to get starting to get quite high when you look at guys you know around him. Uh, we've kind of talked in previous weeks on the show about the situation there with Robert Woods and Branton Cooks. Right. So that really then depends on where you're actually seeing them in your particular format. And it's the reason why it is very valuable uh, before you draft in your particular league to try and get ADP that reflects that league. Because if you're talking about drafting him at the beginning of the fourth round, then that certainly wipes out the value that's potentially there. Now, Dave has him all the way up at 182 and is very, very enthusiastic. I think that will be difficult because I guess I'm I'm higher on Robert Woods still than a lot of people. I'm probably lower on Brandon Cooks, but even if you're lower on Brandon Cooks, when you divide between those three guys, then you get into a little bit of an issue there. But certainly, you know, Cup looks overvalued, perhaps not as overvalued as uh, we might initially think when, when we see those gaudy ADPs. Finally, we get to the red flag, right? Corey Davis 
someone Rodovez has raved about for years, one of the greatest college receivers really that we've ever seen. He comes out, has a very poor first season. Mentioned a little bit that the uh, you know staying in college all four years knocks him by what we've seen historically. Now, you know, certainly questions of how much validity there is when the person breaks out super early. But but those things are also considered. The overall production, the breakout age, those things are included. The draft is included, and obviously he went very, very early there. Even with that being the case, he's projected for 132. Uh, Dave has him at 134 in the projection machine, so you're getting a lot of agreement between those two sources. ADP has him up at 145, which anytime that you're seeing ADP above what several of these other sources are saying, I mean, that's a pretty big red flag to me. Yeah, no, I think it's a red flag for me as well. And uh, like you mentioned in the article, like I think this is part of the reason too, Sean, why I haven't been diving in on some of these guys this year is they're, you know, people that I were very, very high on Corey Davis last year and, and Dynasty, and I still think that he's going to have a very good NFL career. I think we'll see a much different uh, Tennessee Titans offense this season with the change of coordinator, the change of head coach. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. But in terms of the ADP for them this year in redraft, it's just uh, too pricey for myself. Uh, and that's kind of why I've been staying away from that situation. Coming out of college, as you mentioned, you know the the production was certainly there. The the hype was certainly there when he came out. Obviously, the injuries. Then I, I believe all the way back to the combine, he didn't run. I think he didn't run at the combine due to a hamstring injury. He took that into the NFL then after he was drafted, and just really last season was never one hundred percent healthy. He had games where he was very heavily targeted. The production was there in certain times. He had a couple of touchdowns turned back for uh, obviously. Uh, different penalties and so on. So his season could have looked a lot different and I think our uh, ideas of him uh, would have looked a lot different. But I think like like myself, like yourself, we're looking at a player who does have uh, all the tools to become uh, a very talented player. But at the moment, his ADP is kind of priced in that he's almost uh, starting to get towards that already. So he's just too pricey for me uh, in redraft this year. And I think it would be different if we had seen the Titans go out there and really light the world on fire in the preseason. Now, you know, sometimes that ends up being a trap, but if we'd seen Marcus Mariota really looking like he was going to take that big step forward, if he looked like he was in sync with his receivers, then it might be a little bit of a different case. Certainly it's difficult to maintain that enthusiasm at that level when it looks like 2019 might be the better time to be targeting your Titans. And with that, we are at halftime. So listeners, I want to give you a quick update. Obviously, I mentioned at the start of the show, we're sponsored by Squad QL. You might be asking exactly what Squad QL is, and it is as simple as this. Do you want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well, look no further. Go ahead and download the Squad QL app available on mobile. That is all you need to crush your friends and your rivals this year. Squad QL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool in your league. You may ask, how does Squad QL actually do this? Well, let me tell you, the app connects directly to your yahoo espn and cbs leagues pulling in all the actual rosters and your league scoring system it then provides the waiver recommendations and trade recommendations plus the app gives you your player rankings each week and it's all based on your league's scoring setting so of course that is key in this squad ql is truly your go-to app for the fantasy football season head to squadql.com to download squad ql your all-in-one fantasy football manager squad ql is brought to you by the creators of rotoql the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100 thousand dfs players you can also download rotoql for free for both apple and android all right as we go into the third quarter here we're going to look at monty fawn's article 
his recommendations on how to get ready for your FFPC main event. Obviously, one of our sponsors, Monty, went into the playoffs last year with the number one overall squad. I believe he went into week 17 uh, in second place, a couple of points back, either first or second place there, and I believe he finished third or fourth. Monty is a fantastic player, a lot of uh, individual league titles to his credit, and he's telling us how we can approach some of these tricky situations, players jumping up, players falling down. The first one he looks at are the Patriots running backs. Now, I mentioned this a little bit in my uh, most recent zero running back candidates as well. We've got three Patriots running backs in the top 100 picks, two of whom are hurt, right? So when you're looking at Sony, when you're looking at Rex Burkhead, when you're looking at James White, um, we have Mitchell falling a little bit. We have Burkhead continuing to rise. The reports on him are that he really uh, isn't that injured, which is always a little bit tricky to to work around. I think uh, anytime you're dealing with any type of injury at the NFL level, players of that physicality and athleticism, you know, you can't afford to drop down much at all. Uh, but certainly, he gets the receptions, also the goal line carries. You know, it's the perfect package of high low, high value touches. You have the exciting rookie, and then you have James White, who you know could catch 60, 70 passes. Monty says abort avoid all of these guys they're very difficult to play head-to-head regardless of how well they perform and now we've got all of these red flags do you agree yeah you you mentioned he said abort he actually says abort with an apostrophe and he says it twice and it's in capital letters so i think he was pretty serious about it in this case when i look at the patriots it's an interesting situation because uh we mentioned it on the last show or actually i think it was with myself and dave on the uh, road of his live show on sunday we talked about the patriots and their situation and with rob gronkowski and the possible targets that he'll have and then the rest of the pass catchers around him when you look at them the options on the team with you know eric decker has retired uh they pretty much have no wide receivers on the team carter l patterson likely to start from this year so when you look at somebody like rex barkett and james white i think james white this year is likely going to end up being uh, pretty much a, a wide receiver if you see him in the backfield uh, you know it's gonna he's not going to rush the ball too many times he's going to be on there for those targets uh, rex barkett like you mentioned can do both sonny michelle's the one then that falls into the mix it's it's hard to quantify just how it's going to break but if you look at these two guys and sonny michelle i've shares of both rex barkett and james white both for different reasons based on white's value and what i expect him to do in ppr and then burkhead based on pretty much that the new england patriots are going to be a, an offense that usually gets into the red zone on quite a few occasions per week and then he is a chance to rush them in so you're kind of battling between who you think is going to have the bigger workload and burkhead and michelle uh, i i'm a big burkhead believer i was from when he left uh, just like a, as a free agent he left cincinnati and uh, went to the patriots i was hoping for a different landing spot but it's worked out pretty well for him so far uh, but I like both of them, even at their ADPs, uh, you know, as a zero RB candidate, I've been taking Burkhead quite a bit and I've been picking up James White then a lot later in drafts. Uh, so I'm I'm actually uh, not aborting and it's based on the fact that uh, there's not a lot of options then at the wide receiver position at the moment starting the season for the Patriots. And I think that'll provide value to both those running backs. I think that makes some sense. And certainly, uh, you know, worst case scenario, that running back committee has a lot of total value that they can split. Moving over to the Buccaneers, Monty points out that we've seen a seven-round rise from Peyton Barber moving into that you know seven, eight, nine-round rage now. Meanwhile, Ronald Jones has fallen from the fourth round, where he really was the you know most exciting rookie after maybe the big two, and now has fallen you know into the ninth, potentially tenth round range. And he says 
Barber at that level, not a lot of room left outperform. Jones, if he falls in the double digits, grab him up. What do you think? No, I 100% agree. I'd probably add that uh, the tagline that he had for the Patriots, the abort abort to the start of this one. Uh, and then, you know, if he does fall to double digit rounds, I certainly would be getting some shares there. But uh, outside of that, it's a, it's kind of a situation in a team. I kind of touched on it with Goodwin that I, I'm not sold on. Uh, I have a lot of concerns about the, the Buccaneers uh, all around. And um, I'm, I'm just not really investing in that offense this season. Moving over to the Browns, the Browns are an interesting team because they are coming off of these amazing losing seasons, a complete and total confidence. <laughs> They've got a weird quarterback committee, uh, but one where there's some upside there. Both quarterbacks have much more appeal than what they've been running out in recent years. And perhaps as a result, we have Jarvis Landry rising to the definitely the fourth round i i've been taking him in the third round so i know at least someone is taking him in that range carlos hyde obviously rising um fifth sixth round range we've got njoku uh, now looking like a trendy breakout tight end candidate meanwhile nick chubb is falling monty says target landry target chubb sell the other two what are you doing yeah, you left out one other one, and that's uh, our boy Duke Johnson, uh, still going in the next round. So uh, he's somebody that I would throw into the mix with the Browns. Uh, Jarvis Landry, I'm all aboard. We kind of touched on him a couple of weeks ago. We kind of dived deep into him. So I think we're both on board with Jarvis Landry. I've taken him in the third round in a couple of leagues. I think uh, he's uh, obviously Josh Gardens uh, back in the frame, but I'm excited to see what Landry does this year. I think he's somebody who's vastly underrated uh, in the NFL. Carlos Hyde avoiding David Njoku. Uh, I was drafting him a little bit earlier when he was, you know, the 12th, 13th, or the 11th round, but as it starts to creep up, uh, it's just somebody who's getting a little bit too rich based on uh, expectations. Because looking at the Browns, and you mentioned their their history, um, you know, going back. Uh, over the last kind of three four five years even it's been just a kind of a shambles is probably the best word for it so uh, it's unlikely that they're just going to turn into an offensive juggernaut for uh, 2018 and finally we have the 49ers marquise goodwin might be the hottest player in all fantasy monty points out he's risen from the ninth round not that long ago to the sixth round i think the sixth round is even somewhere this weekend you're not likely to see him uh, when i was on the clock on my draft at the three four turns so i had the first pick in the fourth round uh, i was looking at demarius thomas who ended up taking marquise goodwin was in the back of my mind i'm thinking you know there's a very outside chance he'd come back to me in round five and maybe he'd be a more appealing value right then i picked thomas goodwin went with the very next pick at 402 so i think that you can definitely expect to see at least occasionally him going in the fourth round certainly in formats uh, where you're going to want to start a lot of wide receivers Colm, i know you have been one of his supporters you picked him out as a big dynasty buy very early and so people got in when you recommended him on the site uh, they would have shown a very good profit at this point are you still targeting him at these levels uh, unfortunately sean i've kind of had on a few different appearances recently that he's just getting too rich uh, i've actually started to pick up Pierre Garçon, just going back the other way so she has a kettle as well being picked up but i, I think he's going to have a, an excellent season we kind of touched on it earlier with values versus adp and expectations of what we expect to hit and i just think that good one i actually think that he's surpassed what his possible outcome could be uh, you know 
fourth round seems just out of this world for me from when i started uh, back uh, i think the article came out maybe in march i think he was you know going around the 11th round so it's just been an insane jump up and i think the hype has kind of caught everyone if you look back through his career uh, the last two seasons have been by far his best seasons but last year he played 16 games topped out at 56 catches the year before 15 games 29 catches and while i think there is huge improvements throughout uh, his game he's been in the, the league now for uh, five years uh, and then obviously he's had uh, less than 100 catches in those five years so just a, a lot of a lot of concerns his touchdowns have been capped at uh, three as his highest he's only scored uh, eight touchdowns in his entire career so for somebody who I, I do think is going to have a big breakout year I think that the the point that he's at at the moment is uh, just getting a little bit too high uh, do you think the fourth round is really taking a step too far I know you mentioned you were thinking about taking him around that range but I think it's a little bit too high yeah, it's it's just very difficult at that range. And I, and I, like most people at this point, you know, really love him. I drafted him in the eighth round of the MFL 10 of death. Thought he was a good value there, obviously. I think the key that people are looking at is that he's moved ahead of Pierre Garcon. He's almost certainly going to outscore him if everyone stays healthy, which people don't do. <laughs> but even with him moving past Garcon, you then have to deal with the fact that Trent Taylor, you know, has that Wes Welker, uh, ish type of, of game to him you know randall cobb that kind of that kind of performance um you have dante pettis who they picked really early and have high hopes for if you're only looking at garcon and think that the volume split is going to be just between those two guys then you're probably going to end up overdrafting him even if he has an excellent season on the other hand just picking people who are going to have good seasons uh will will put you in good stead sometimes that that, that will that will certainly help <laughs> quarter we are going to look at my list of updated zero running back candidates so we had the first list the top 15 the three different sections and then move to the update where i try and adjust a little bit for what we're seeing with changes in adp because obviously with the preseason with injuries that kind of thing we do see movement and that obviously affects how you have to target these players in drafts two players who came off because they got too expensive for how I wanted to construct my teams were Chris Carson and Rex Burkhead. We've talked a little bit about Burkhead. You're still on him. What do you think of Chris Carson? Uh, Carson's an interesting one. I think if you look at his performance over the offseason, uh, particularly in the last couple of weeks, he's been very impressive. Uh, somebody who, likewise, I don't own a lot of shares. It was just t- such a kind of murky situation. Uh, and, you know, we did touch on it, I think it was last week. I, I won it quite a bit of uh, Doug Baldwin even with that injury and you mentioned as well earlier in the show the injuries uh, and not knowing which players are injured it's interesting to see how it continues to affect Baldwin's ADP even when he's been honest about an injury that he doesn't expect to be 100% this year whereas most players at this stage of the season are already picking up those knocks and we're just not going to hear anything about it they're already injured they're just not being honest about it so we look at Carson he's a player based on uh, my shares uh, in the earlier rounds of Doug Baldwin that I just haven't had a lot of but uh, I've picked him up a couple of weeks back in a few leagues but the, it's an interesting rise uh, that he's had over the last couple of weeks uh, something you mentioned uh, on a couple of podcasts that we talked about when we talked about uh, jets and uh, the potential running back situation there you talked about trenton cannon um, i see that he has uh, come off the the updated list yeah i there's just too much uncertainty there and i don't expect that backfield to result in very many points at all at this point i'm probably selling all the players there but he certainly would be on the watch list uh anyone on their squad who uh, doesn't get drafted i think you should have on your watch list because i still expect their two main players to underperform there the next thing will be moves in the final top 15 list that will be out toward the end of the week kind of a a final look at what you want to do 
as you get ready to go into your most important drafts this weekend and the you know, first couple of days next week. And that will be Royce Freeman will be coming off. His ADP has just clearly gotten too high. It was arguably too high last week. It was still showing in the fifth round in a, quite a few formats. But, you know, I've heard people mention him in the third round. I'm seeing him as a clear fourth rounder at this point. There are two things. Number one, obviously, is it's not really zero running back if you're selecting him in that range. Uh, even in the fifth round is borderline for what we're trying to do. The other thing is that, I love Freeman. He was ranked in sort of that two, three range for me among the rookie running backs. So ahead of Geis, ahead of Chubb, ahead of Michelle, ahead of those players. And yet in redraft at these levels, I don't think that there's a lot of value left. That's not to say he couldn't have an excellent year. I'm planning to play him in a lot of dynasty leagues. I hope that he does have a good year. I expect him to get the lion's share of the work in that backfield, but you just don't have a lot of upside left when you're starting to get to that ADP. Yeah, and it's always, you know, we've mentioned it a couple of times on this here actual podcast today. Uh, looking at, you know, league settings, dynasty versus redraft, and, you know, different settings, PPR, half PPR, whether it's super flex, the importance of knowing your league's scoring settings and the system around it is so vastly important. And it still amazes me the amount of people that'll ask a question on Twitter about a, a league and, you know, they're not 100% sure of their actual scoring settings. So always check that out. And uh, best, you know, a lot of our thesis on the show today has been based uh, around redraft. And you obviously have to look then at uh, our thoughts on Dynasty can be very different. Uh, just check my case with Corey Davis a little bit earlier and yours kind of there with the value of Royce Freeman at the moment. Uh, looking through them, we kind of touched on uh, some of them with Duke Johnson still sitting at five. Uh, and then Jamal Williams is somebody who, you know, we talked about second year wide receivers and I haven't been drafting a lot of those. Probably the most second year, uh, most owned second year player I have so far this offseason has been Jamal Williams. It's a combination of, uh, the, you know, kind of like what I mentioned with Barquette, expected uh, goal line opportunities or uh, red zone opportunities. And then the situation with Jones missing the, the first four games of the season, giving him the chance to capture that early down role, the goal line role, and we'll see what happens with Ty Montgomery. But Williams is somebody who's very interesting to me. Obviously, that ankle injury that looked like it might uh, scupper things for us as we start the season, but still still looking liking the look of uh, Jamal Williams and his situation. Very much. I've been continuing to uh, increase the the number of shares there. It's something that you want to be, you know, very much take with a grain of salt, but the coaches continue to rave about him, are talking about him as someone who might be drafted in that Mark Ingram range next season. So uh, Mark Ingram, not suspended kind of range. And, And certainly if that's the case, people who are investing at these levels right now are going to have an excellent season. Interestingly, I think the running back who is going to jump onto the list this next week and was in both of the main events that I drafted uh, this previous week. I never would have guessed he's gotten so inexpensive at this point. And I wanted to bring in Blair's wrong read article and give you a few quotes, give you a little bit of the evidentiary foundation behind this. So you, you can see why we would want to be talking about this guy we're about to mention. So Blair says, we know rookie running backs drafted in the middle rounds consistently outperform their ADP-based expectations. Uh, One of the reasons why zero running back is a successful strategy, even in years when the top wide receivers failed to live up to expectations, think of the last two, is that it's always possible to find league-winning running backs in the middle of later rounds, and he's got some excellent work on that. In his original piece, so the one before the one that came out yesterday, he talks about how rounds 9 through 12 or where rookie running back value is at its peak. And when that article was written, Carry On Johnson and Naheem Hines were the two people looking at 
they've gone in different directions. Carrion has moved up, Heinz has moved down and out. He's still someone I'm taking at those very suppressed prices. Um, but now the two guys that we're seeing in this round nine through 12 range, and I think very appealing at that range, I think people are massively overreacting to the preseason. And that will be Ronald Jones and then new to the list this coming week will be Nick Chubb. Chubb is somebody I kind of touched on earlier with the, the Duke Johnson situation and the other players around that uh, it's hard to just buy into everyone on the Browns offense and now they're starting to get a little bit more expensive within Joku and uh, Josh Garden and everybody else that's involved there uh, what is it that's standing out for you for Chubb as we head in here to the, the opening weeks of the season I think the main thing is price Blair talks about how three-way competitions are not optimal situations when we're looking for these year running back candidates, but the extreme discount we're getting at this point makes them very attractive. So assuming that you've built in some other running backs to start the season uh, in these drafts, I've got players like Tevin Coleman and Carrion Johnson, uh, even Duke Johnson teammate there. So a little bit of ownership on the same team. And so when you're starting to get into rounds 9, 10, 11, 12, you can afford to wait a little bit and wait for either the injuries to happen, which obviously we hope they don't happen. These are real people, real lives. Um, but also look for the younger player to emerge. When you're talking about Chubb being someone who was drafted in the 103, 104, 105 range in dynasty leagues, uh, you're talking about someone who had a fantastic college career, was impressive, not freakish, but was impressive at the combine The reports out of Brown's camp have been very strong. Uh, The veteran players love him. The coaches love him. Uh, He's a bigger talent than Carlos Hyde, almost for sure. I mean, anytime that you're making statements about talent, uh, you're, you're, you know, moving into some dangerous territory, but anytime you can get the more talented player who is more likely to be valuable late in the season, you're getting him at this kind of discount, uh, even if you weren't on him before, and, and maybe you know, like myself thought he was a tiny bit overrated compared to some of the other guys in this class, I think you really want to load up at the levels we're seeing here. All right, Colin, let's go to overtime, and we are going to put you on the hot seat and make you pick a particular candidate, a particular guy from these different categories. So first, we're going to start with a second-year breakout wide receiver. If you get to select one, who's your guy? One guy for 2018 most points. Are we looking at for all these categories? 2018 most points who's going to be you know let's say league winner because usually the 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 top guy who breaks out has a very high win rate uh who's going to win you leagues as a second year wide receiver i think if i'm looking at a second year wide receiver getting the job done i'm very interested in kenny galladay in terms of uh, this list and where he is at the moment and where i expect him to finish at the end of the year uh his chance to overtake the the guys in front of him and obviously matthew stafford continues to put up uh, very good uh, passing efficiency numbers I love the Lions to take a step forward on offense. Hopefully that will go to Galladay as opposed to players I'm constantly selling and getting wrong, <laughs> Tate and Marvin Jones. All right, you get one hot player. Who is rising and you're still going after him? Uh, the one on this list uh, that we've gone through, kind of those players, is Jarvis Landry still buying into him, even if it's in that third round and willing to take the shot. Uh, the rest of the players seem to be past their peak at this point in terms of AEP value. I drafted him ahead of Mike Evans in the league last week. I think uh, I'm not going to go to the Matt Kelly levels, but I do think Godwin <laughs> Jackson, uh, the quarterback situation there is going to perhaps hurt Mike Evans even more than perhaps what is priced in. All right. And finally, one zero running back candidate. You're on the clock, say sixth, seventh round. If you need to go somewhere else, you can, but you're on the clock. You don't have a running back. 
You've got wide receivers who are going to carry you to glory. Who are you picking at the running back position? Well, if I can bang them out just in order compared to your preference, uh, obviously Tevin Coleman's not going to be there in that round. Uh, Jamal Williams is possibly already gone. So if I'm looking at somebody who's definitely going to be there, uh, I'm looking at uh, possibly at the moment uh, is James White based on uh, expected uh, you know receptions for him this year, especially PPR. I like Duke Johnson like we touched on, but I think that he has, again, that three-way split. But I think the, James White has a safer three-way split in terms of his receptions for 2018. Uh, as I mentioned, I expect him to be used a little bit more in that receiving game. So uh, James White is somebody I've been just gobbling up everywhere at the moment. Obviously, it's apples to oranges since their first-round draft pick this year, a much higher investment than Shane Vereen, than James White. But when you look at what those guys did as rookies, you look at the injury that he's suffering through, you're looking at Rex Burkhead, uh, perhaps being a little bit injured in more of a, a hybrid type of player, maybe not the guy you're going to use uh, fourth down when you're trailing, although the, the Patriots never do. But as we talked about before, one of the great things about the Patriots is that they pass to the running backs a lot when they are ahead, which is key to getting these running back receptions. So with that being the case, do you see any potential for James White to say 85 receptions? Uh, 85 is getting very high obviously last year um you know it, it was still a long way away from that i am i am interested in 85 i think if we look at i would be putting it around the 70 mark if i was doing an over under in it and uh, you mentioned him already in terms of uh, what he's done in the past 2015 he's had a, over 100 fantasy points every year in ppr for the last three years 114 155 134 and uh, he's played 13 15 and 14 games so he's not even playing all the games and still hitting those totals so as a zero rb candidate that's what you want to get players who you can have fill in those weeks and then if you do uh head on something that he can get those touchdowns as well to really push things up um i i think that's the way i'm looking at it 75 over under uh which side would you be taking sean I'm going to go under. I'm also in the abort category, but I own a lot of Rex Burkhead in Dynasty, and so I will be rooting in that direction. All right, I I love your picks. Kenny Galladay for the win. <laughs> and it's uh, it's always that interesting one. It gets to the stage too where uh, at the start, like I, I own so much Rex Burkhead and I own a lot of James White, and I'm just kind of hoping that they end up getting a, a large chunk like we touched on a couple of weeks ago with we have a lot of Gronkowski as well so we're kind of pinning our Patriots hopes on the, those guys and seeing how it's going so it's gonna be interesting to see how this season progresses how the weeks shake out how people's expectations change once we see the huge sample size of one game come next week on, on Sunday it's always interesting to see how the overreaction happens sometimes the best value in fantasy football is that DFS week two where people have just overreacted by so much but it's been a fun show Sean I think we've covered a lot of ground on it and uh, that is going to do us for this week's edition of Overtime on Rotoviz Radio my name is Colin Kelly you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland my co-host is Mr Sean Siegel who you can follow at FF underscore contrarian I mentioned already Rotoviz live at the start of the show. Do check it out through the Patreon page. Myself and Dave Cabin will be hitting it up again this week. We'll have a couple of other Rotoviz guys jumping in to have some fun as well. So that is 11 a.m. Eastern. Check that out uh, as we get ready for this season. Uh, that's coming at you on Sunday once again. So until we're back with the next one, and until I see you on Sunday on Rotoviz Live, my name is Colin Kelly. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount to the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.